Well, joining us to talk about both of these topics is the current New York GOP gubernatorial candidate and also former Trump aide, Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, great to have you on the show again, my friend. Reed, it's so great to be on with you. You know, I first want to get your reaction to the vaccine mandates um, and your thoughts about the fact that now the Supreme Court, no surprise to me, but they said at least for private employers uh, that no longer will they have that mandate in place. No longer will they be required to do that to their employees. Well, it's a relief. and It's really something that I, that I was expecting from the Supreme Court, as, as you highlighted before the break with Jonathan Turley, as, as he had done. You know, having spent time in the executive branch, uh, it's very interesting how the Biden administration tried to weaponize OSHA, which is the occupational uh, safety and health uh, part of the executive branch. And it was very interesting to see what the Supreme Court specifically said about OSHA, which I think was absolutely dead on, which is that Congress has allowed them to basically have the power for to discuss occupational health, but not for public health. And I think this was very clear what the Supreme Court decided. And I'm very happy they did that. You know, my, my wife works at a, a publicly traded company uh, in real estate. And we were talking about this today. And, and she was just throughout this entire time, she's been shocked at the um, at the fact that you would have the government try to take private business and really enforce these unconstitutional mandates on them. She comes, of course, from Lithuania, and, and she remembers her days in the Soviet Union very early on. Certainly her, her mother remembers it a lot better, um, but she understands it's a very, very slippery slope. I was very happy to hear what the Supreme Court said today, specifically regarding these companies over 100 employees. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, now I got to get your take on Alvin Bragg, and I call him <laughs> Looney Kazuni Alvin Bragg, because this guy, it is so scary, Andrew, and you know very, very well. By the way, um, I was seeing some of the polls that came out, even like right around the holidays. So it was a Siena poll that had you up big time in terms of favorability um, among the GOP candidates. I saw you leading the pack before Zeldin and Astorino. So bravo to you, my friend. Um, Thank you. And I, this, the whole thing gets me so angry. I just want to play a little clip first. This is Alvin Bragg in an interview. And, and it sounds like I, I use it. This is like a, a Clinton-esque answer. The definition <laughs> of is, is, it's, is, this is, what's the definition of a criminal? Take a listen. We've all seen the story of the person who's uh, on their eighth arrest, and people say, well, how'd this happen? How'd that assault happen? Well, there were seven prior times with that person struggling with addiction or mental health. We didn't connect that person to services. This is going to make us safer. It's intuitive. It's common sense. I don't understand uh, the pushback. He doesn't understand the pushback. Um, and now you are making some efforts. I know that you're working also with Guardian Angels founder, our pal Curtis Sliwa, uh, demanding an amendment to the Constitution to try to recall him. Explain that, because I think it can't happen fast enough. Well, first off, let's just break down that clip that Alvin Bragg said right there and just think about this for a little bit. So he's defending somebody who has been arrested eight times that in his example, in his theoretical example, has assaulted somebody. What about the victim? What about the potential ninth victim or the tenth victim or the eleventh victim? Uh, to, To me, it's just absolutely absurd, but it really is. I think it's a very, very clear look into how some of these social justice warriors think in so many ways. They don't care about the victim. 
there's there's no thought about actually making sure that we keep our streets safe. It's only a matter of how do we make sure that there are less people in jail, even if it means dangerous people being out on the streets. Uh, but in terms of what myself and uh, I know dear friends to WABC radio, Curtis Lee, have been pushing, I specifically, and this started with a conversation over the weekend with Curtis and I, and Curtis said, well, what about, what about recall in New York? Why, why don't we have a recall option like they do with the L.A. and, and San Francisco D.A.? Uh, and, and for me, it was very simple. It was like, well, look, you're absolutely right, but Hochul should remove Bragg because I believe he has violated his oath of office. And Hochul has the power to do that under Article 8, Section 13B of the New York State Constitution. If anybody wants to look it up, Hochul has the power to remove Alvin Bragg. And I look at it this way, very simply. If, God forbid, you have somebody in Bragg's example that he just gave right there who decides to commit a ninth and then a tenth, and let's say, God forbid, a police officer gets hurt or, God forbid, killed because resisting arrest, is now being downgraded to a misdemeanor, which basically means a desk appearance ticket at this point, then the blood of that police officer is on Kathy Hochul's plans, uh, Kathy Hochul's hands, if she chooses not to act. See, I don't see her doing that. And part of it is because it is, of course, an election year, as you know. Um, You know, she's trying to pander to different bases. um, And I don't see her doing that. So then now you are working on a recall. And in fact, I want to play this clip, Andrew, because he was asked about it. Bragg was asked about the efforts that you and Curtis are doing. Um, Here's his sort of non-answer. Take a listen. (laughs) Can you address the concerns that uh, Curtis Lewa and, and, and uh, Rudy Giuliani's son have on uh, issuing, trying to issue a recall, basically after you've been in office for so only 10 days? How would you address that? I, I haven't uh, heard uh, what either of those two uh, have said, so no comment. I mean, I was elected by the voters of Manhattan. We're, we're two weeks in. Uh, we plan to deliver uh, safety and justice for all, and we're focused on the mission. So what can you do, Andrew? What, what, if Kathy Hochul doesn't act, what can you do? Well, first off, I'm, su- I'm not surprised that he doesn't know what's going on uh, with a recall out there for him. Right. He certainly seems like somebody who is not plugged in on that. I, I mean, I think right now the-, the thing is we need to get the message out there and continue to do that. You know, this recall petition has over 5,000 signatures right now. I would, it- I would certainly recommend that anybody who's listening go to change.org and put in recall Alvin Bragg. It's up on my social media. I know it's up on Curtis's social media. I think even I saw... The elder Rudy Giuliani uh, posted on his social media. I would recommend that any listener go out there, take a look at that and put that in there, because I really think the state legislature needs to consider putting a ballot referendum up there. So that way, New Yorkers have the option to potentially recall if you have uh, a D.A., for example, like an Alvin Bragg, who is just basically deciding that he is going to play politics. And before you played that clip, Rita, you said something which is 100 percent accurate, but it's so unfortunate of the times that Kathy Hochul will not do it because it's an election year, which means the only thing she's going to think about is her political future. She's not going to think about the actual safety of New Yorkers. You know, one other thing that I think is so important to point out, if anybody actually bored themselves to listen to Kathy Hochul's state of the state speech last week, in those 35 minutes, she did not mention bail reform or cashless bail one time. I think that shows you how unserious she is about understanding how much of a problem crime is, not just in New York City, but 
all across our great state. That's scary because you're right. It is. And you know, it's scary when he just said, yeah, I've only been here two weeks. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, he's already done this much damage in two weeks. You know, it does. Andrew, so what is the goal for you guys? How many signatures are you hoping to get to, to be able to maybe put that impact on, you know, on the legislature? And I say bravo to you because you and your dad, your whole family have always been such great crime fighters. And it breaks my heart to see you know, the greatest state in the world, um, affected by this guy who I think is just bringing us back to the Stone Age in terms of fighting crime. Yeah, well, you know, in terms of the signatures, we obviously want to get into the five figures and grow it as much as possible. Uh, but, but you know, when you mention kind of uh, obviously what New York City was in, in the late 90s and the 2000s, I mean, even re- as recently as the first year or two of de Blasio, right? He even understood in the beginning that we're going to appoint Bratton to make sure that we don't mess with crime because I can't get reelected if crime goes back up. And then in his second term, he went as, you know, as crazy as possible on us. But if you think about what Alvin Bragg is doing, Rita, he really is taking the exact opposite approach of the broken windows theory that worked so well in New York in the 90s and 2000s that brought murder down from 2,200 a year to less than 300 a year. And guess what? We are getting the opposite results. And I'm really, really concerned. You know, obviously, you know, murders have gone up four straight years, but I think last year was still at 485. That's not 2,200 like we had in the early 90s in New York City. If Bragg, a couple more years of Bragg, I could see the murder rate spiking above 1,000 again and New York really being untenable when you consider the economic challenges and everything. And I think you're going to see more and more people, whether it be businesses, whether it be families, whether it be tourists. I mean, even my wife is saying, look, we're, we're moving one of two places next year. We're either moving to Albany or we're moving to Florida because I don't want my daughter to have to live through uh, what feels like an unsafe place. So, so for my daughter's sake, we got to win this thing. So that way, that way we can save New York because I don't want to continue to see businesses and people flee and tourists take their, take their dollars elsewhere. Absolutely. And, um, and in our final minute here, real quick, Andrew, um, do you, how much do you think crime is going to be a huge issue in the governor's race? And, and what do you see, real quick, is the difference between you and the other guys in the race? Sure. I think it's the number one issue. It's the issue that we hear uh, wherever you go, whether it's, you know, in Hamilton County, population 4,300 people, or whether it's in Kings County, you know, so you hear it all over the place. Um, and, and look, I think the difference, I think, Honestly, from a policy perspective, and I've heard Lee speak many times, I've heard Rob speak many times, I know Harry may may be thinking about jumping in on this. I think from a policy perspective, there are a lot of similarities from us. I think the one thing that we've seen, and I'm so happy that you highlighted the Siena polls that have come out, is we are able to pull independents and Democrats. And I don't think that's because we pander to them with different policies. I think it's because the way we're able to get the message out there on issues like school choice and adding charter schools and tax vouchers, I think more and more Democrats are starting to see that, you know what, maybe the teachers union is not necessarily out there for me. Maybe these social justice warriors are not going to help the the neighborhoods that need police officers on their streets the most. And, And I think our message is cutting through uh, probably maybe a little more, a little more efficiently than some of my competitors and friends on the Republican side. 
Well, we are thrilled to have you. I wish you so much luck, and you got to come back on again soon, my friend. It's great to have you here, Andrew Giuliani, and uh, and bravo on, on all fronts. And uh, keep up, get those signatures in, everybody, because we do not want Alvin Bragg. And good luck on the campaign, Andrew, so much. You know, Rita, I always love being on with you. I, I can't say you are my favorite host on WABC. Yes, you I mean, can. I think- you I, can say I it. I think I'd have some trouble with another Giuliani if I said that. <laughs> your but favorite I'll say you're female. My second favorite host. I'll pick a fight with Curtis on this one. You're my second favorite. Yeah, how about your favorite female host, right? How about that? One hundred percent on that one. <laughs> that way, your dad won't that. get mad. <laughs> Love you, my friend. Thanks Thank so you, much. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.